0: Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Can we give it up for Pastor Mel, since he doesn't call himself? like I really do. We love these guys. And like I said, he, he got us from North Carolina to Oklahoma, so we, we love you enough to kind of move there. Uh, we're good where we are. You know, uh, we're, just, <laughs> we're, good, we're in one cold place to move from one cold place to another cold place. I'm not sure we can do that again. Um, but hey, my wife's here, Shauna. Um, we've been married <laughs> ten, 10 years this year. And the reason she's here today is because we actually somehow convinced my mom to come up and watch our kids for a few days. Uh, we actually have four of them. They're eight, five, three, and seven months. Um, so, so Mimi has her hands full um right now um, but just so, so excited she got a chance to come um but i i love this church i've you know kind of watched you guys from afar and what mel has been what god has been doing here and i um i love the word of god um so if that's okay i just want to jump straight into what we're going to talk about tonight uh so how many have your bibles you got your bibles couple phone something all right uh turn with me to proverbs chapter four Proverbs chapter 4. I'm going to read this, uh, and then we're going to kind of get into what our talk is going to be tonight. And so if you have it, just say, hey, I'm here. If you need some more time, say, hold up, Jared. All right. (laughs) I like somebody actually did that. I love it. I love it. Um, We're going to start at verse 20, and we're going to go through um, 27, and the key verse is 423. And so it reads this, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep your corrupt talk far from your lips and let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths, your feet, uh, and, and, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. and Keep your foot from evil. Can we pray? God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it, it simply changes and transforms us, oh God. And right now, I pray, Lord, that you remove me, oh God, right now in this moment. Allow your Holy Spirit to lead us in these next few moments. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accepted in my sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let us all say amen, amen, amen. So Proverbs, if you guys know, it is a book that is all about wisdom, and it's instructing us how we live our lives. It was written, some say, at about the 10th century um, BC at that time, and so we know it was written by Solomon. But for this passage, I want to focus on just a few words. And so a few words and phrases, excuse me. Um, When I was in Bible college, in school, there's something they called us that was called a close reading. Everybody say close reading. So what closer readings were Is you have to pay attention to every single word because God is speaking something. I think sometimes we get so familiar with passages, we kind of read through them and we miss the golden gems that are within that passage. Like you guys know if when you leave here today, you know how to get home, right? You could probably do it with your eyes closed, right? It's because you're familiar. Well, don't do it with your eyes closed. Please don't. Um, but you could because you're familiar with the direction. But sometimes when we're so familiar, we miss the things that are around us. And I don't want us to miss what's in this text. So the first phrase I want us to say is this, pay attention. There it is. Thanks again. (laughs) When you see this phrase, God is calling us to heed what's next. Um, So my wife, one day, she was talking to our eight-year-old, and she was saying a lot of stuff because our eight-year-old was just being an eight-year-old. And she was like, and and, uh, my wife was like, said a bunch of things, and she was like, yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my wife said, what what did I just say? She was like, huh? (laughs) She was present, but she wasn't really present. She was in the room, but she really wasn't listening. And this is what God is saying right now. He says, hey, hold up. Stop everything. Pay attention to what I'm about to say next. We don't need to like, we need to block out everything and pay attention. The next one is everybody said, turn your ear. It literally means, like, to stretch and to bend down. Like, you know, if somebody's in a room and you're trying to sneak and listen to something you're not supposed to be listening to. But it's like, I need you to really get down and pay attention and to listen to what I am saying right now. Like, what is our posture when God is speaking? Are we really leaning in? Are we really listening And say, God, your word is so fresh. Your word is so powerful. And I believe that if I hear these things, I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to be changed. We need to listen to God as if there are words of gold that are coming out of his mouth. Next word is sight. Everybody say sight. See, what you see, the eyes, the eyes are one of the gateways to our soul. And the challenge in this text is always telling us to look ahead, to focus on what God is calling us, to move towards righteousness, that that those are the things that we must see. Now, this is the really important word. Everybody say guard. This is to observe, to protect, or to block. Now, when I think about guarding, because I grew up in North Carolina, and there's only one sport that matters in North Carolina, and that's college basketball. Nothing else matters in North Carolina except college basketball. So when I think of guard, I'm thinking like, okay, somebody is trying to get by. How do I keep the defender in front of me? But that's not what this word means. When it says guard, it gives us the imagery of a watchman of someone who was high on top of a tower who was watching over all the fields in the city. Now, why was this role important? It was important for a couple reasons. It was first important because in agrarian society, agrarian societies, there were these large towers that would look over the fields. They worked really hard to make these fields work. Day in and day out, they would till the ground, they would till the land to make sure that, that in, in when, when it was time for the fruit to come, that it would be ready. So what the watchmen would do is this, is they would look out to make sure no people or no animals would come in and take all their hard work. Because guess what? If we have bread that goes bad, what, what can we do? We can go to the grocery store and buy another loaf. If you grow all of your food from the ground and it goes bad, you have to wait months for it to come back. So the watchman was there to protect it. But that is the imagery that it's using when it says that we have to guard our hearts. The second thing the watchman did was that he yelled danger when it was time, when the enemies were coming towards them. So when he would yell, danger, come on in, everybody would run from the outside of the city into the middle of the city, and all the guards would be prepared to fight. And so whatever's on the outside is not going to come on the inside. That is the, that is the imagery that he's saying, we must guard our hearts. Are we looking over it? Are we watching over it? We must understand when danger is coming towards our hearts, what are we doing? Are we inviting it in, or are we saying, hey, you have to get out? The last part is heart. Everybody say Heart. It's inclinations. It's our passion. It's our courage. It's our moral character. Have you ever heard somebody? Hey, just follow your heart. I like, don't believe that. <laughs> we'll get to that why later. But it, it's where it's driving us. And the last one is mouth, and it says, "With your mouth, put away what is deceitful." Now, when we pay a clo- when we play close attention to the text, we see that there are three things that we must be careful: of what we hear, we must be careful of what we say, we must be careful of what we look at. Those are the gateways to our soul, which have the ability to impact or infect our heart. So when we hear a voice, the voice is, who is shaping our soul? What are the words that we listen to? Scripture implores us that we must listen to what? The word of God. The second one is see where is our focus? Where is our energy? Where are we moving towards? Because imagine, if you're trying to walk in a straight line, but you look that way, it's kind of hard to walk directly straight. So what God is saying in this scripture is not only listen to what you hear, but keep your eyes focused. And what is it? He's saying, keep your eyes focused on me. Because if you keep your eyes focused on me, you're going to walk in the path that God is calling, uh, what he wants you to. And the last one is say. You see, every time we open our mouths, we have an opportunity to bless or to curse. We have an opportunity to build up or to tear down. The words that we say matter. And out of all creation, God gave us the ability to use language. And we can use language to either build up or we can use language to tear down. And it shapes our souls, and it also shapes the souls of those around us. Have you ever heard the phrase, sticks and stones, they break my bones, but what? That's a lie. Words can hurt. Who, who believes that? Like, words can really hurt. So, when we look at these words, what we hear, see, and say, they're, they're gateways to our soul. And what this scripture is calling us is what we're saying is that guard your, health, guard your heart, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. Guess what? Everything that you allow into your heart is eventually going to come out. What's on the inside has to come out. No matter how hard we may try to keep it on the inside, under pressure, eventually it is going to come out. The way that we decide who gets grace and who gets judgment is really a determination of the condition of our heart. The way we treat people who agree with us and those who don't agree with us. Is really just a a way of seeing the condition of our heart, the way that we look at people who may be less fortunate than us. It's all reflective of the condition of our heart, and this is why we have to guard it like watchmen. We have to be careful of things that we listen to, be careful of the things that we watch, be careful of things that we say, because everything we do is a reflection of those things. Just like me, this is why I'm starting a new diet and starting to work out. My waistline is a reflection of the choices that I made. (laughs) It's getting a little better. My wife stays on top of me about it now. I start a diet, kind of, except when we're not at home. Then I don't follow it. But that's another conversation. (laughs) But it's a reflection of our choices. You see, the heart is the seat of the emotions. When I say seat, I mean it is in control. Everything we do flows from it. An unguarded heart is dangerous because we are inadvertently allowing different influences into our life, which will impact the way that we behave. And let me show you this way. In Jeremiah chapter 17, it says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds they deserve. The heart is deceitful. Somebody says, hey, follow your heart. This is what the, the Lord says about the heart. It's deceitful. <laughs> Here's another scripture. Matthew 12, chapter, uh, verses 23, uh, 33 through 34. Make a good tree and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So whatever, is in, whatever comes out of our mouth is already in our heart. Whatever comes out of our mouth, our heart is already full of. So let me ask you a question. What do we say when no one's listening? What do we say when we think we're in safe company? What are the jokes that we tell that if maybe they were played on these speakers, we'd be embarrassed to hear about? That's a condition of our heart. And and I'm going to read this other verse. I don't have this on my notes, but I was studying and found it the other day. Have you ever heard someone say, like they say a joke and they're like, yo, I'm just joking. I really didn't mean it. Have Have you ever done that? I've done it too, and then I felt convicted when I read this scripture. So listen, Proverbs 26, verses 18 and 19 says this, Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. I thought about like doing an illustration, having a flaming arrow in here, (laughs) but I just chose not to. I don't think uh, Mel would enjoy that but just the idea that our words matter. Our words, let's say like a maniac. Ah! You don't feel safe around that person who is flaming arrows. You don't want to be around that person. That person is destructive. And guess what? They're a maniac because of the condition of their heart. And every time we leave our heart's garden, this is the crux of the message. We allow our souls to go one degree off path, one degree off path. Let me show you what I mean. So this right here is the straight and narrow path that I know all of you all walk. There it is. Mm. You can only do this with the Holy Spirit and a lot of grace. It probably really looks more like this, but one degree off. Now. I'm just using this as an illustration. This is probably actually like 30 degrees, but we'll, we'll just make do. i got to make a point. One degree off over time will cause us to miss the mark that God is pointing us towards. One degree off. One degree. If God is calling us here, but yet we live life one degree off because our hearts are unguarded, we end up living there. Let me give you a couple of examples of what it means to be one degree off. If you're one degree off over the length of a football field, which is about 100 yards, guess how much you miss your, your, your destination by? About 92 feet. Pretty bad. But if you're one degree off and you're trying to get from here to the moon, guess how much you miss the moon by? 4,000 miles. You're not even in the same dimension anymore. But one degree off over an experience, over a period of time, will cause us to miss where God is calling us to live. And all it takes is one degree and one decision. Let me give you another example. So when you live life one degree off, and I'm a, there's actually a word, a Greek word called harmatia. It literally means to miss the mark. And guess what the, what, guess what the English word for that is? Sin. Somebody got it right. I heard it. <laughs> Sin causes us to miss the mark over time. Now let me, let me give you an example. So about two years ago, My wife and I, we moved to the Chicagoland area, and it's cold. Like, let me tell you how cold it was. I got in the car one one day last winter, and my car read negative 14 degrees. I didn't know my car went that. I, I thought it was wrong. Negative 14 degrees. Now, you know the funny thing about that? About two or three days later, it got to two. And everybody was like, it's kind (laughs) of warm. It's a little balmy out today. It's two. You know why? Because we were conditioned to living in negative 14 for a few days. Explain what I mean. So we're going to call this three different levels of sin. Now, there's really no levels of sin. I just want to kind of use this illustration. We're going to call this little sin. Little sin, we'll just call it lists. We'll call this struggle, strug. And we'll call this real sin, like, oh, my goodness. Whew. Now, here's the funny thing. Usually little struggles are stuff like we deal with personally and big sins, what other people deal with, that's a whole nother message, though. So we'll leave that right there. We'll leave that right there. Now, check this out. Nobody goes from here to here in a day. It starts by living one degree off, and if you live here for six months, or you live here for a year, you're like, oh, this actually doesn't seem as bad as it did six months ago. I don't mind doing that. Hmm. Then guess what? You're living in this new environment, like we were living in Chicago, and it was really cold, and we got used to negative 14, where zero actually felt good. I can't even believe I just said that zero felt good. But we're we're conditioned and we're shaped by the environment. Then you can continu- we continue to make choices, and then we're living here. Then what? Hmm. This doesn't seem as bad as it did 18 months ago. And then you keep going down. And then you're making decisions you never thought you'd ever make. Maybe an old flame sent you a Facebook message and you're like, hmm, interesting. Maybe I should respond. Then you respond, then you have conversations. Conversations maybe go directions that they shouldn't go year later, maybe you're meeting up with the person. Then maybe it eventually leads to an affair. But it started because we were okay with sending messages six months before. You see, no, no, rarely does anybody jump from here to here. I've never seen that personally, but I have seen small compromises where people are leading in a path to where they end up living down here. Small compromises. And I want to talk about, for the last few moments, a biblical character who lived life one degree off. And he wound up there. You know who this person is? It's actually the writer of this book. It's Solomon. Solomon was known as the wisest man in the world the richest man in the world, but yet he died a fool. How did he go from here to there? He lived one degree off. And I, I want to explain how he was one degree off. There's a scripture, and it's in Deuteronomy. It says this, When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, and have taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, Let us set a king over us like all the nations around us, be sure to appoint a king over you that the Lord your God chooses. He must be among your fellow he, uh, your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. And watch this: the king, moreover, moreover, excuse me, must not acquire a great number of horses for himself, or make the people of Egypt return, or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. So the first one, you must not acquire a great number of horses. You know how many horses Solomon had? Does anybody know? 40,000! <laughs> Maybe great was and one, so he didn't get that. He had 40,000 horses. It says so in uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter 4 and also 2 Chronicles. Uh, there's a little discrepancy in the way that it's written. One says 4,000 horsemen, one says 40,000 horses. But really what it's describing is that the 4,000 horsemen is talking about an infantry which equals about 10 people. And so when you add that together, it equals 40,000. But he had too many. <laughs> way too, and, and the scripture said, do not acquire a number of horses. And guess what? Guess where he had to go to get more horses? He had to go back to Egypt. Why? Because he was hungry for power. He was hungry for more power. He made a good decision, yeah. When he when he said, you know, chop the baby in half, and you know, oh my goodness, and he's like, you're so wise, like yeah. But now he's got forty thousand horses, and he wasn't supposed to do that. And so, he was here, the wisest man in the world, and then he had forty thousand horses. He's living. In a different environment mentally now he's being shaped differently because he decided to live one degree off what's the second one he must not take many wives we all know solomon had what 700 wives maybe many was 702 i don't know i can't so he didn't read he had 700 and what did it say? Because his heart will be led astray. At the end, it talks about because of his wives, they led him astray. Like his very first marriage was to the Queen of Sheba, was basically a political arrangement for more power. He's living one degree off over time. I bet you right then he would say, I would never have 700 wives. But because he had horses, which gave him power and authority, then he moved here, he had 700 wives, and then what? Do not take um, accumulate large amounts of gold. He was the richest man in the world. There were three vices that he had that eventually led him to live down here: power, sex, money. Led the, the wisest man in the world to move from being here and to dying a fool. And he wrote this book. That makes me like, I, I got to make sure that I have my heart, and I have a community that helps me to live life in line with God's righteousness. He said, but what happens when we're living here? And what happens when we're living here, but we want to make people think we're living here? There's a tension, an internal and external tension that you live with. And so when you live down here and you try to cover it up so you can look, look like you live up here, whew, it's a lot of stress to live under. Guard your heart because everything you do, it flows from it. You see, when our desire to appear righteous exceeds our desire to be righteous, we're living with an unsustainable Attention. This is why we must guard our hearts. But I like math growing up. I like charts. So just like one degree over time can lead us to live here, maybe you're living here and guess what? One degree over time can bring you right back to where God is calling you to live. It's really hard to jump from here to here, too. Because there are habits, there are things that we form, there's behaviors, there's practices that we've developed down here when we lived in this environment. But over time, we can move back to here. And, and I serve a God that like took dirt and created human beings. So if he did that, can he not help me get back in the path of righteousness through guarding my heart? I think there are three things that we all have to do to make this happen. Number one, everybody say this, know your vices. vices. Solomon was susceptible to money, power, and sex, and those things eventually drew him away from God. So what causes you to maybe take a, a short left turn? away from from God. You know what that is in your heart. You You know what that is in your life. For me, I can get overly competitive. Like, overly competitive. Like, I don't like to lose. Like, when I was 12 and my brother was about to beat me in checkers, I flipped the board over so he couldn't say he beat me. I've grown up a little bit from that. But I have to know that, cool, that what I, what I am susceptible to. What do you like? What do you like a little too much? What would you indulge in if you had the opportunity, if nobody knew? Know your vices, because the enemy knows your vices. And you have to put boundaries around you to make sure that those things don't happen. And the second thing is this. Everybody say, know God's word. Psalms 119 and 11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. How often are we cracking open this book? And I don't mean like a quick three minutes before or like I'm going to read like as I'm falling asleep and going to bed. Like are we focused on God's word? Are we hungry in the same way that if we miss the meal, that when we miss our morning devotions? Are we that hungry for his word? We have to know his word because if you don't know his word and it's not in your heart, that's going to make us susceptible to sin. And the final one is this. You have to be known in community. So when you know your life may be going a little bit off, who's the person you tell? Like, the human being that you can look in your eye, look in their eyes, and say, because like it's it's easy if it's just God, like, oh God, I just embezzled from my job, but your blood is forgiven at all in Jesus' name, Amen. <laughs> right. If it's just between like this is this is not just a you and God thing, this is us and God. Who do you know? Who do you, like, if you're struggling that you call, you can look in their eyes in community, you can sit across the table and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. I need help. And then who do you give permission in your life to speak into that? If they see something that's off, to be able to say, hey, I don't, there's something not right, I can't put my finger on it. Let's go grab some coffee. There's something not right, I, I can't put my finger on it, but hey, let's have a conversation. Come over, go to my house for dinner. Who do you give permission to speak into your life? We must know our vices, we must know God's word, and we must be known in community. These three are the barriers that will help guard our heart because we can't do this alone, people of God. We cannot do it by ourselves. If Solomon, who was the wisest person in the world to ever live, couldn't do it, I know that I can't do it on my own. But that's why Jesus Christ came because he realized that we can't do it on our own. And he says, Jared, because you can't do it on your own, I'm going to die on the cross for your sins so you can receive my grace and forgiveness. And then I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit who, who will help you and teach you how to live right and who will help you guard your heart. Now, I want to invite the band up at this time as I close. And this is so important to walk in the path that God is charging us to walk in. So when, when we live off one degree and we end up living outside of God's will, that's a dangerous place to be. It's like you're in a war zone and you don't have backup. But when, we, when we're walking in his will and we're walking in his way, now it doesn't mean hard things don't happen when we're doing that. But what I do believe is that means he's going to be there walking with us. So I think about the the song, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside sear walls. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in pastures of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the what? Valley. You're gonna walk through a valley of the what? The shadow of death. Now, when you think about a shadow. Something has to be present in order for a shadow to come. Shadows just don't pop up out of nowhere. In order for a shadow to be there, there has to be an object between the light and the ground. Now, I'm standing here and I can look, I can see the shadow of Jared right there. That means Jared is in between the light and what the shadow is landing on. So when we think about the valley of the what? The shadow of death. That means that death may be right there covering me. But guess what is on the other side of death? The light of God. The light of God is on the other side. And he's saying, hey, you don't have to worry. Yes, you're walking through that valley right now. But guess what? I'm on the other side of death and I've already conquered it. I'm in the other side of death, but I am walking with you. I'm in, the, I'm in the other side of death. There's no need for you to worry. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest to table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth other. And what do you say? Surely, surely what? Goodness and mercy is going to follow me. All the days of ourself, when you're walking on that path, guess who's walking on each side of you? Goodness is on one side, and mercy is on the other side. Now, it's interesting because in Hebrew, it's it's translated that way. However, when you read that in Aramaic, which was the common language that they spoke, it says that goodness and mercy will chase you. So it's not just following you, but it's literally chasing you down. And when I walk in that path that God is calling me to walk on, and I'm guarding my heart, yes, I'm gonna go through struggles. Yes, I'm gonna go through trials. Yes, I'm gonna go through tribulations. But guess what? Goodness and mercy is right behind me. The light of God is right over me. And guess what? I will be with him. He is calling me to the place where he is guiding me. And he's calling me to that place of safety. But to get out of that arc of safety, It just takes one degree. So, for a moment, I just want to ask a question and I want to say a prayer. Who in here knows that maybe there's something that's your one degree? If you know you have a one degree, you don't have to raise it high. Just quickly raise your hand. Just one degree, okay? Or you can raise it high if you want. All right, let's do it. Let's go. One degree. How many of you know that we serve a God that could heal you from that? How many of you know that we serve a God that could deliver you from that? Whatever your one degree is, I want you in an act of faith. Now, I'm showing my little bit of Pentecostal roots right now. Just aim that. And if there's something that's holding on to you, if there's something that you know, man, I cannot do this on my own, if there's something that you know That if you don't get this right tonight, that in six months you could be there. Maybe it's just in the struggle level. Maybe it's on the little sin level. Maybe it's on what you call a big sin level. But if you know that if you're not careful over the next few months, you could be living and you're used to this new environment, I want to invite you to just come meet me in this space right now. everyone else in the room, I just want you to point your hands towards my brothers and sisters who have the oh God and thank you for your mercy and your grace and I thank you for my brothers and sisters who have come forward knowing that they need you and right now Lord I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit is going to give them supernatural strength to overcome whatever it is that they're carrying on Lord, you have already overcome the enemy, oh Lord. You have already overcome death. You have already overcome the grave. You can overcome this as well, Lord, and we believe that. Right now, I pray for strength as they leave this space, oh God. I pray that they will know that you are with them, oh God, that goodness and mercy is following all of them, every single step that they make, oh God, Lord. And I pray for relationships to pop up around them that can keep them on the path that you have called them towards, oh God. People that will come beside them and help them to guard their hearts, oh God. I believe that, oh Lord. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of your word. I believe in the power that where two or three are gathered, you're in the midst, and what we ask will be done, Lord. And right now, we rebuke the plans of the enemy over their life, oh God. We rebuke the plans of Satan on their life, Lord, and we plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that cures us from sin. The blood of Jesus, Lord, that makes us whole. The blood of Jesus that allows us to be presented to you as full and clean sacrifices. We plead that right now in your name. And I pray for your strength. I pray for your grace. And I pray for your mercy over my brothers and sisters. That you will give them the power and the capacity through your spirit to walk in the way that you have called them to walk God. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let us all say amen. Amen. <clears throat> That was a courageous moment. Let's honor that moment. And maybe you're in here and and you didn't want to walk down. Nothing magical happens. Uh, I do believe in crazy prayer and crazy power. I believe in praying big prayers that God's like, whoo, how am I going to answer that? Like, I believe in that. So maybe you are carrying something that's causing you to be one degree off. I also believe that you received that prayer tonight too. Because that's the power of the God that we serve. I believe that. I receive that. And I want to challenge you tonight. Maybe you're in one of those right now. You've been living in an environment and, and what you never thought you would do, maybe you're doing that right now. But one decision can lead you back in relationship, and in a fellowship with Jesus Christ. And you can do that tonight. If you believe that, just shout amen with me. Amen. Let's give God some praise.